Well, we are down to two teams, uh, Western Mustangs defending home field, Laurier Golden Hawks punching their ticket into the Yates Cup. The matchup is set. There's going to be a whole lot of purple, a little bit of gold, a little bit of silver, a little bit of white, but purple on purple. Connor, we're at the Yates Cup. It's here. We are. We are. It's felt like a, a long but a short season. I can't believe like that we're finally at the Yates Cup, but it is going to be a little bit of a different matchup this year. A little bit because I say Western's still there, but you're right. A lot of purple. The Laurier Golden Hawks getting back to the Yates Cup. I'm excited for this matchup. I really am. But first, we do have to talk about the games that were, right? We got to talk about how Laurier got here, how Western got here. So you want to start with Western Queens? I do. I really do because, uh, to me, this was a game that shocked me. I, I said in the preview that I did not believe Alex Freakin would be playing. It was supposed to be Russell Weir because – Vreekin was in a full arm brace last Saturday at Richardson Stadium walking around. And all of a sudden, I uh, I was away from my TV and I get a text. Are you seeing this? Alex Vreekin is in the damn game. I'm like, no, get out of here. No, no, he's not. So I get my, get my OUA TV up and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, uh, that is definitely Alex Vreekin. He is back from his wrist injury. And all of a sudden, it felt like we had a real shot for Queens to pull one off against Western. Yeah, no, they really did. And before we talk about this game a little bit further, like, I just do want to give a quick shout out to the toughness of Alex Freakin showing up playing in this game. You're right. I didn't think he was going to play in this one either. But nonetheless, he shows up has a really, really good first half. And that's where I want to start with this. Has a really good first half. Queens does a really good first half uh, as a team. Really liked what I saw, the, the grit, the tenacity. The grit, the tenacity. Unfortunately, unfortunately, though, couldn't sustain it. It was a 1917 ball game in the first half. But the story was the second half of this game. This Queens was only able to put up three points to Western's 28 in the second half. And it, it really felt like an avalanche. Once Western started to get their points, they really started to pin home. And it was Savon Magne-Jones and Mo Jamal. Connor, I talked about it in the preview. I talked about it last week in my All-Canadian episode that Western feels like, and rightfully so, that their receivers cannot be contained. They can run faster, further, longer than anyone in the country, quite frankly. And Mo Jamal, Savon Magne-Jones certainly did that. Oh, wait. And Seth Robertson caught another freaking touchdown. I don't know how this guy keeps doing it. It's just magic. He's like Dalton Schoen last year in the CFL, just consistently finding pay dirt. And when you have the weapons of Savon Magnate Jones, Seth Robertson, Mo Jamal, what do you what do you do? You're right. Like there's nothing you can do against this trio of wide receivers, especially when guys like Seth Robertson and Savon Magnate and Savon Magnate Jones are going for over 110 each, 14 receptions for over 200 yards for these two, and two touchdowns. It was a it was a tough day to be a, a Gales DB out there with these guys flying around. And you know what? I I want to stop right there and mention what you just said about the Gales DBs because this is one of the strengths of Queen's roster. Their secondary: Ashton Miller, Melanson, and Keegan Vanek, two top halfbacks. They play a lot of cut coverage where those guys are deep in zone. 
They also line up man quite well because they get slot receivers like Savon and Mo Jamal against them. Western was not deterred. Western was not afraid. Evan Hillock was just slinging the ball. It didn't matter who was in coverage. He said, I know my guys down there. Let's go get this thing. And when you look at Queens on the flip side, they didn't really have that option in the game. They tried to go to Aiden O'Neill, but he uh, tipped a pass up to Jackson Finley, which really started the avalanche to go for the Western Mustangs. Um, but for what Queens, their DBs was a strength and Western was not deterred. The game plan was let's attack vertically consistently and push the envelope all game long. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. And the other thing I want to talk about in this game with these Western Mustangs is the ground game. I know it was a little bit, they're missing their big back, obviously with Keon Edwards, but they were still able to be productive with what they had. Ethan Dolby, Troy Thompson leading the charge for this one, eight carries for Thompson, five for Dolby, two touchdowns on the ground. There was that long run from Phillips as well. And although Western was able, although Western was forced to play left-handed a little bit in this one, they were still able to be productive. I think the one thing we can say about the Western Mustangs after this year and last year and the year before, they don't have a left hand when Evan Hillock is the quarterback. Because if you're telling me I get one of the best quarterbacks in the country thrown at 30 times, I'm going to say, yeah, that's a good game plan. If I'm hearing that you don't really have to throw it more than 15 because you're running the ball for 200 yards apiece, yeah, that's a good game plan. So I think with Western, now that Keon Edwards is out, it's more of an aerial assault first, but you also have to respect the fact that they have a top-end O-line and they have guys that are going to keep gaining yards point after point after point. Like you said with Thompson and Dalby, their yards before contact was expect like, excellent, quite frankly. I I'm trying to use some big, stupendous word for it. It was just excellent. If that's the recipe you're going to get against the top rushing defense, you're going to be in for a long day on the other sideline. Yeah, no, you certainly will. You certainly will. And, and talking about good ground games, good quarterbacks, let's, let's flip this one a little bit. Let's go to Laurier and Windsor. Taylor Algersma, I know we talk about him all the time. Another big game from him. But how about Quentin Scott in this one? 20 carries, 111 yards. Obviously, Algersma. And the receiving touchdown, touchdown. For, for Quentin Scott. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which was which was a broken play. Like that was just a simple uh angle route from him. All of a sudden, Algorithm evades the rush of your guy Kalade Amusan. And it's like, okay, where's Taylor going? And all of a sudden, Quentin Avery Scott just backs up into this void of purple end zone. Um, it was a great game from him. It was a great game. I want to say from Taylor Algersma down the stretch because Connor. It was Laurier at the start and Laurier at the end, but all Windsor in between. Yeah, it was all Windsor in between. Six points in the first half. I know they trailed by one going in, but then the second quarter they come out and get two points on, was it a safety or was it just two reasons? Yeah, no, safety. And then they get two points on a safety. But while they were getting these points, they weren't necessarily getting big scores, and I think that's what allowed Laurier to get back in this game because they come out in the fourth quarter, they dial up two touchdowns and it's 21-14. Laurier has this game and they're going on to the Yates Cup final. I think the big difference for me in this one was Laurier had those touchdowns when they needed the most. Windsor just couldn't seem to find the end zone to sustain their lead when they got out in front and they killed them in the fourth quarter. 
And and I wanna I wanna talk about this too because Laurier had fumbled on the drive prior to the Nick Domoski go-ahead score. How does the offense respond? How do you respond to adversity? And with Laurier having a seven and one season, we haven't really seen a whole lot. Yeah, they were down to Western. They showed they could handle it and they came all the way back. This week, it was uh-oh, we fumbled. Windsor scored a touchdown. What are we gonna do? It was nine plays, 87 yards. It was Ethan Jordan, Raiden Thorne, Quentin Scott, Taylor Algersma, all making plays for the touchdown. Quick force now by the defense after Ifeon Imanum. I don't know if you saw the tweet I put out, but it looked like LeBron James with the chase down block. Like he came flying through the line and just jumped like he was going to receive an alley-oop and then just tomahawk chop the ball out of the air. Um, for a guy that's not overly tall and long, to get up that quickly to stop a play that was that critical um, was huge. All of a sudden it was, well, here comes Laurier again, six plays, 49 yards and a touchdown. Um, I, I thought this Laurier offense showed grit. That's, that's the word I wanted to use this week to describe them because Elgersman uh, and Co. wasn't pretty. It was not 69 points like it was last week, but against a different style of defense that Windsor plays, the good pass rush they have, they managed to keep themselves in the game long enough. Yeah, and what's the saying, right? Like, good teams win ugly. They won ugly this time when they needed it in a semifinal matchup. I, I like what you said. I think it did show a lot of grit, a lot of resilience from this Laurier team. And this is clearly, like, it's a character thing. This clearly shows how bad Laurier wants to be in the Ace Cup and challenge for the Ace Cup, especially after how close it was with Western towards the end of the season. I think that Laurier is chomping at the bit for this one. I think you're going to get a really, really fun Yates Cup matchup coming up between these two teams. And while it looks very spread out from the Windsor Lancers, Connor, Joey Zorn, 9 for 46. Chris John, 10 for 39. Weiji uh, Mambo, um, 7 for 17. They're over 100 on the game, but that's 26 carries. And it was really tough sledding for these guys all game long, each and every time they touched the ball. Uh, the the defensive front from Laurier played out of their mind. Namely, I want to say Brandon Amanua. He was fantastic from get-go, and it showed big time. Yeah, no, I I, I absolutely agree. I think the, one of the other big stories in this game was just kind of the diversity that Laurier was able to show with their offensive scheme. And Windsor, on the other hand, just really wasn't able to get it rolling. We knew they were going to run the ball, and they did outrun Laurier in this one, 174 yards to 132. But the receivers really made a difference. Like guys like Raiden Thorne, Ethan Jordan really showed up in this one. And then if you look at, you know, the Windsor passing attack, 124 yards, they didn't really have any receivers over, I think, 35 yards, 40 yards in this one. Mm. So for, for Windsor to not be able to counterattack through the air, I think was kind of detrimental to their – was kind of definitely, I think it was kind of detrimental to their offensive production because it did then allow Laurier to kind of open up and get some of that pressure and ultimately get the big stops like the Ife Onumanum LeBron James block that we talked about. Like you start to play confident when you know, okay, they're going to run the ball, but we can take away basically a half of their offense. Yeah. And uh, as we've talked about big players, Connor, it wouldn't be a talking about the Laurier defense without mentioning two guys. Jahari Hastings, who had a couple huge pass breakups down the stretch. 
Uh, he's played spectacular since transferring in from Simon Fraser. Um, and of course, Luke Brubaker. If you're watching the stats, you're like, you're talking about Luke Brubaker. He had a half a tackle. Yeah, but when the game was into crunch time, there was a reason Nick Demosky had to get rid of the ball in two, two and a half seconds. That's because number 98 went straight ball through the left tackle's chest into the lap of the quarterback. You had to get rid of that ball quicker than you wanted or put way more air under it and let the athleticism of the Laurier DBs recap if there was an open receiver. Yeah, and I mean, I love this Laurier defense. We could talk about them all day, but I think, again, like we were talking about with the offense, they showed character in the back half of this game. Sure, they gave up the touchdown in the fourth quarter, but they only gave up eight points in the entire second half and allowed their offense to get back into this game in the fourth quarter, got those stops when they needed them. This is a tough Laurier defense, and I do think that it's going to be tough next weekend for the Western Mustangs. They're going to get pressured. We know that. Yeah, and we'll, uh, we will be certainly covering all aspects of the eight. I know Marshall Ferguson will be joining me for a quarterback breakdown. Uh, I'm going to talk about the defenses and some of the playmakers that they've got on both sides of the ball, as well as these receivers. We have to mention the biggest playmakers that this game is going to have. So stay tuned all week long. CF Perspective, OUA Sport uh, for your Yates Cup coverage. In the meanwhile, at Connor R. O'Neill, at Wade Zank, at CF Perspective, as I've mentioned. Uh, stay tuned. It's the final week of the OUA season. We are handing out trophies, banners, and hats this Saturday from London. Same place as last year. Oh, quick note, by the way. Uh, for the Western Mustangs. Donovan Bennett was quick to point this one out. Uh, ready for this? Western Mustangs heading to their eighth consecutive Yates Cup. 16 in the last 18 years. Unprecedented, sustained success. Holy hell, Greg Marshall effect. <laughs> so will Western be able to add another trophy to their resume? Uh, we'll see. We've got a week to find out. Into the second half, the half without my dear friend, Connor O'Neill. Uh, he's got a cool week going on. Uh, at his training, but there's still lots to talk about from last weekend, and mainly <laughs> uh, the Alberta Golden Bears living and dying by the deep ball. Carter Kettle had a huge day. So did Eli Hetlinger. A ton of poise in the pocket for him. Um, but for me, Saskatchewan, the hero ball with Amandrude, as soon as they went down 10 points, it was... All right, let's start pushing. Whereas you feel in years past with Mason Nias and even this year with UBC and Garrett Rooker, you see that double-digit lead and it's not, oh my God, we got to swing for the fences and gain this all back right now. It was, let's keep piecing away. We know our offense. We trust our offense. Um, and as the DBs for Alberta got more and more and more accustomed to that deep threat coming during the season with uh, Amandrud, they just started to sit back further and further and further and let it happen. So uh, for Alberta, great chance this week coming up uh, for 
them to take out the UBC T-Birds. We saw UBC get run a ton on by the Bisons. Obviously, that plays into Alberta's hand as Daniel Shin leads that fantastic offensive line like it is every year with Coach Morris. Um, so stay tuned for that one. All right, let's go to UBC quickly. I know that was a really brief mention on uh, <laughs> on the Alberta Golden Bears. UBC, uh, ultimate props go to offensive coordinator Stevenson Bone. Um, ultimate props go to quarterback Garrett Rooker. And big props goes to that defense. Uh, finding a way to limit what was ailing them in the first half where Manitoba was seemingly running at will with whoever they put in the backfield. Uh, Stevenson Bone on this offense. They're down big. They continue to run the ball. They continue to press, lean on their offensive line. And they were building. They were building slowly. You could see them continuously growing bit by bit by bit as the game went on. And it culminated not in the game-winning touchdown by Garrett Rooker, but the drive afterwards where they salted eight-plus minutes off the clock in snail mode, through and through snail mode. Um, They just chipped away slowly but surely, walking from their own 10 to the Bison's 15. Yes, they resulted in a field goal. wasn't a touchdown, but they had salted so much time away and still came away with points that it just put it even further into the hole for Manitoba to pull themselves out of. And when you tell your DBs, hey, they have to score a touchdown here. You know, we're okay giving up a 10-yard dig to Gasama. We're okay letting Chichinsky scramble for eight yards. But we're going to sit on everything deep, and eventually you have to take those shots. You don't have the time to matriculate the ball down the field like you want to. So uh, big shout-out to Bone, Rooker, Knight, Shamar McBean, Davenport, Lucas Robinson, Gio, Theo, the whole O-line. A-plus way to stay in the game, way to not panic, way to find yourselves down in a hole, come back, and cement your home Hardy Cup next weekend against those damn Golden Bears. So I think uh, this game is going to be very, very exciting. Uh, Of course, I'm going to be talking Yates Cup. Uh, tomorrow I should have a special episode talking about the defenses Thursday Marshall's going to be joining me for the quarterback breakdown Friday I'd like to do something on the weapons that both of these teams possess because let's face it in the Yates Cup we're kind of spoiled with playmakers uh, Savon, Mojamal, Seth Robertson, uh, Quinton Scott, Tanner Nelms, Raiden Thorne, Ethan Jordan like we are we are spoiled this year so I, I would like to do a special episode just on that itself all right, out to the RSAC. Ah, my mentions have been really quiet this week from the Concordia Stingers fan base that had been telling me how wrong we were at the start of the season. Yes, I know. They played a really good game, and all the credit to them going to double OT at Laval is a very tough task to accomplish. But in the playoffs, close doesn't count. And for this Concordia team... They ended up falling where we thought most of the RSEC would fall, at the feet of Laval and U2M. Yes, we got the order wrong on how they would fall, and certainly I didn't see them going to double overtime with Laval, who has looked like a shell of themselves offensively from last year, despite having a lot of the same players returning. Uh, But no, Concordia, 
Shout out to them. Olivier Watt played a hell of a game. Uh, Zeke, their big receiver. I don't know if you guys saw that touchdown catch. He had to tie it up with a minute left, but uh, it was phenomenal. Back shoulder fade. Uh, Olivier Watt put it right where he needed to. So shout out to Concordia for calling it tough. But um, when you continuously fall in the semifinals, it's going to be tough. And we made that prediction at the start of the year based on, okay, look, Sherbrooke has taken out some of the big players over the last couple of years. They have a quarterback in Anthony Robichaux who looked really sharp at the East-West and looked like he was going to take a next step. Olivier Waugh hadn't really shown much growth from 21 to 22, and now we're here in 23, and I figured he was just going to do the same thing he had done each of those two years prior. He stepped it up a notch. Robichaud fell back a little bit, whether that's guys around him, protection, offensive line. I don't know. It just seemed like he was turning the ball over at a much higher rate than I expected this season. So, uh, Concordia, well done, but my mentions were a little quiet this week. Um, all right, AUS, the bus, Fagnon is rolling as well. I, I know Connor and I have talked about the bus, the bus, the bus, but this season it has been all Fagnon, 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 and... The reason he is having so much success is because they are allowing the bus to set up everything. They are letting their run game dictate the pace of play and then exposing shots over the top. It is lovely when you get eight guys in the box ready to try and stop your run game and you have speedy receivers like Hadley and Zachary Kareem on the outside that can expose one-to-one coverage. So Fanyol, I think he threw like four, or five, four touchdowns again this week. He will be representing the AUS in their uh, Heck Crichton bid. We'll find out who the other conferences are sending forward. I'm guessing that it's going to be uh, a Garrett Rooker or Matt Peterson from Can West. I'm guessing it's going to be Taylor Elgersma from the OUA. I, I put in my vote, but I do not have final say in that one. And as for the RSEC, if it's not Jonathan Senecal, I don't, I don't know what you're looking at. I don't know what games you're watching. Uh, let's talk about the Carabane. They're angry. They rolled. Uh, if you didn't think that they were going to be pissed off from a loss that didn't really matter to them in the standings, oh, they were mad. Uh, they they absolutely trounced McGill. So uh, Senegal and Co are rolling. They've got Sepsum rocking. Uh, they're going to take on the Rouge Or a second time at their home stadium, third time overall this season. I'm expecting nothing different than for them to just throw the ball all over the park. If Olivier Wall was able to do that and put up a ton of points, watch out for Senecal and Doso because this is going to be a wicked combination. Senecal has been using his legs as well. I think he had like a 50-yard rushing touchdown last week. Um, they're going to be tough to beat coming out of the RSEC. But don't count out Glenn Constantine. They were counted out a lot last year. I know it's a completely different team, new year, new identity. The head coach remains... The quarterback remains the biggest two pieces of your identity. Um, all right. <clears throat> I think that's it for me. Uh, we will bring back more Yates Cup conversation later in the week. Excited to get to all of that. Excited to get up to the game. Uh, I know the Laurier faithful are going to be up there. I saw, I think Scott Hutter said he's inviting anyone willing to wear the proper, in his quotes, proper shade of purple to a tailgate. Um Connor will not be at the game this week as it's Veterans Day, Remembrance Day. Uh, but Marshall and I will be there. Maybe Marshall and I will have to hit, hit up this Scott Hutter tailgate. Uh, we'll see. But 
for now until tomorrow i guess take care see you later enjoy the start to your week